Hey, rock stars, I'm JB, expert salesperson and master presenter. I'm the doctor, psychologist, and behavioral expert. This is the Entrepreneur Mastery Lab Podcast. We're high-performance coaches that help service-based professionals and entrepreneurs take their skills to the next level. 70% of entrepreneurs fail, which is why every week we have real talk with real entrepreneurs to help ensure you are not one of them. We're also the inventors of the Be Rich Mindset, where we rise to mastery, inspire greatness, celebrate knowledge, and help others along the way. So join us in the lab. And now, on to the show. Welcome back to the lab. I'm JB. I'm the doctor. Hey, if it's your first time joining us, thank you and welcome to the EML, where we talk with real professionals every single week to give you the insight and wisdom to be fantastic at what you do. And if you're a returning listener, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for coming back and either listening to us or watching us on YouTube. And some of those weeks when we don't talk to other professionals, we talk to each other and give you some quick tips. Those are some of my favorite. We're still professionals, though. We try to keep it professional. Sometimes we mess. Sometimes. We're, we're, we got to be honest. There, there very, are loose, where, very loose definition of professional. My wife likes to say an unbuttoned professional, right? A little loose around the collar, if you will. Yeah. Speaking of your wife, how's everything going there? Well, I mean, brand new infant in the house. So as you can imagine, we are, uh, we're dealing with a little bit of raccoon eyes and <laughs> a little less sleep than we're used to. And it's, uh, it's been a little wild, man, but it's a lot of fun. Sleep's overrated from what I hear. It, you know, I disagree with that. I hear people say that all the time. You don't need sleep. It's like my favorite part yeah, of my sleep, day. Sleep is, is probably, sleep. Sleep's probably one of the most important things you got going for you. So, yeah. It's like recovery, right? We talk about recovery and it's just, it, it, it's a way to recover. But speaking of recover, I don't want to miss the fact that if you haven't liked, subscribed as many people as possible, and in order to do that, we could use your support. So give us a shout out, give us some love. Even if you don't like us, send us over to somebody you dislike too. We'll take it. So I'm going to blame the lack of sleep on that weirdest segue I've ever heard. It didn't have to be a weird segue if you didn't jump over asking me about my new kid. We <laughs> Could have finished our intro the way we normally do. Don't knock me for that. Maybe if we just do things the same all the time, it gets repetitive and boring. Maybe I'm trying to keep you on your toes. Yeah, you, you know what I say. People out there five or seven times to even hear it the first time. So for, for most of our listeners, it's the first time. Although we are fast approaching our 100th episode. So stay tuned for that. We might do something fun. We probably will. And there probably will be bourbon. I hope so. All right. Back, back on track here before we get too sidetracked and squirreled over bourbon. Uh, really excited to announce our guest for the day. We've got Lorena Tomasini of Mom Insurance joining us. Lorena, welcome to the show. Hello, JB and the doctor. Thank you so much for having me on today. Excited to be here. Yeah, really excited to have you. Thanks for joining us. So Lorena runs her own podcast in addition to running her business. Uh, I've been on your podcast as well, Lorena. You do a really nice, very short interview of other professionals, which I absolutely love. In fact, the doc and I have started putting out some quick hit episodes, I think as a reflection of what I saw from your podcast, because I really appreciated what you were doing with that. Uh, now you run a pretty interesting business. You run a business that is co-owned by you and your mother, right? So it's a multi-generational family run business. 
Yep, that that's certainly correct, and, and I'm glad to have um, inspired your show uh, with my podcast as well. Um, but yes, I, I do run a, a life and health insurance agency together with my mom. Uh, we're known as the dynamic duos to some people, um, and yeah, we we've been doing that now 16 years, so a very long time. So I lived with my mom for 16 plus years. And I thought I was going to go crazy. You, you, I'm sure grew up with your mom and went into business with her. So kudos to you. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know that I, that I could do that. You ever struggle with that? Just out of curiosity, has that ever been a struggle or have you always had a pretty good relationship? You know, a lot of people always ask that because um, they're curious, right? Like, Oh, it's your mom. How's that work out? Right. And I think the, the important thing here is to have boundaries, right? Like when we're off the work, off when we clock out, right? We don't continue talking about business or we try to limit that. And then it's the same as any job, right? Like never say something to your mom that you wouldn't say to a boss, right? Like she's not my boss because we each work independently. Um, but it's just really having that that boundary there, right? And and it's good that we do get along, you know, that that does help. Mm -hmm. We travel. Does it say how often do you have to remind, remind your mom that you're both people? <laughs> Not very often. You know, we don't we don't really have those types of arguments, you know, like, um, yeah, we, we get along pretty good. And we always if there is any issue, we always try to talk about it and move past it. Excellent. Mm -hmm. Now, you're, you're located here in South Florida. You're, you're out of Miami, right? Yeah, the 305, as people like to call it. Uh -huh. Miami. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously multicultural business as well. It's, uh, so you operate both in Spanish and in English here, mm -hmm. here in Florida. Uh, kind of charging into that a little bit. You know, I, I find it very interesting because there, there's a huge amount of that here in South Florida. When I lived in the San Francisco Bay Area, it's, you know, same thing. Uh, kind of curious how, how you found that influences your business being being multicultural, bilingual, uh, working with with sometimes which argue very different markets, even if you're dealing with the same products. Uh, any any insight on that, just out of curiosity? So I would say the Hispanic market in particular is very different in your approach to how we would speak to, let's say, uh, the American market, right? Um, like the American market is more like numbers and figures, right? Um, but with the Hispanic market, I personally, I find that you need to be more personable, more approachable, um, throw a joke in there, you know, they have to like you really before they do business with you. It's like what they say, they have to like know and trust you. I think that's more so with the Hispanic market um, than even with, with the American market, you know? Um, and yeah, I think like living in Miami, if I didn't know Spanish, it would be very hard uh, for me to even run a business. Not to say that you can't, right, without speaking Spanish. Um, but I find that they also are very loyal to you and they also like to give referrals. Like if you help them out, they're going to refer you their whole family, you know, like it happens. Somebody I helped two, three years ago is calling me like, oh, can you help my cousin? Can you help my friends? You know, um, so I, I really like that. Um, and then the other thing I would say is definitely stories help and and. I would say there's a lot more skepticism when it comes to insurance with, with that market. Um, so it's a lot of stories and also facts, you know, to help them realize the importance of having life insurance or health insurance. Mm -hmm. 
when you when you talk about skepticism, I, I I mean, is that really misconceptions around the business? Is that is that kind of a, afraid of being taken advantage of? Where, what do you think is driving some of the skepticism? I think a lot of it is, you know, a lot of people come from other countries, so they already have like their own mindset of how things are. And then they come here and it's totally different. So they might come with stories from where they live right before. And a lot of it is misinformation. You know, I've had people tell me, oh, wow, nobody explained that to me how you just did. You know, like when we're talking about health insurance, for example, we have to talk a lot about their income and their family size, different things. And they're like, no, I've had this insurance for like two years and nobody has explained it how you have. And now I understand why this is how it is, you know. So a lot of that is just misconceptions and definitely misinformation. Um, there's a lot of half-truths out there um, with other agents, unfortunately, and as well, like other, the media, right? They drive their own story. And so I always tell people, don't go based on what your friends, your family, whoever tells you something, because they're not licensed, they're not informed daily on what's the reality of what's going on. How do you take something like life insurance and throw jokes into it to, to kind of build the bond with these people? Because you talk about a, a topic, you know, life and health insurance. I mean, it's not exactly the, the most fun topic to talk about in the first place. So I, I'm curious, just have, have you gotten good at that? I imagine you have over the years. Yeah, you know, I don't tend to repeat my jokes. I would say it's more of in the moment type of jokes um, and not really jokes, but just making it more fun, which is hard to say when we're talking about things like life and health insurance. You know, like you mentioned, it's a topic that a lot, that a lot of people want to put off. And it's really one of the most important conversations they'll have their entire life, right? Whether it's about life insurance and building wealth for the next generation, or maybe a business owner, right? Um, for their own business or employees. Um, but I would say what, one of the things, you know, is I'm trying to think of, of a joke, like, I, oh, for like health insurance, I always tell people, you don't want to stay in the hospital without health insurance. Cause that'll be the most expensive hotel stay that you'll have. Right. <laughs> because it's just the reality. Unfortunately, you know, a bandaid there costs $30 and an aspirin is a thousand dollars. Like, I don't know where they're buying these things, but when I put that as a perspective, everybody understands what I'm saying, you know, um, with life insurance, I can't really come off with any joke that I have off the top of my head. Um, but it, it's just things that happens, you know, like maybe I'll throw in like, you know, like some movie that you've heard about where like somebody gets a life insurance and then they end up dying, you know, like that's not real life. But, you know, it's li little things like that that help it make it easier and also easier for somebody to understand what I'm talking about. Yeah. Doc, I, I imagine as a, you know, a therapist and a coach, you get pretty heavy. Sometimes, right? <laughs> I, I mean, how do you navigate throwing a joke in there to lighten things up? Or, I mean, is it even appropriate for you ever do that in, in kind of those roles? Just curious, man. Well, you know me, there has to be some humor even in those moments. <laughs> Uh, but you have to know your audience, right? right. You have to know the situation. So there's time for it and time not for it. Um, exactly. And I'm sure we've all done the time when it's not for it and still done it. Uh, that's part of the learning. Uh, but it does help, you know, 
take off guard, you know, when they're in those situations and you're talking about things like life insurance and, you know, no one wants to think about the end. And especially as you're younger, that's like not even a thought that you have, you know, because it's such, you know, hopefully so far away. And as you get older, then that sense of mortality really kicks in. So you definitely don't want to talk about it. Um, so you, you want to bring down that guard a little bit. You want to just like, you know, take that attention away from that area. And, you know, humor definitely is one of those ways that really works well. So what I've always found, you know, is just addressing the mortality up front with it, with a joke, uh, just being head on. And so this is one of the instances where I'm not the funniest guy in the world. So I like to use the same jokes. Don't give me that face, man. Come on. <laughs> I, I'm not going to say anything. But but I have found there's like a there's a couple key ones that and I and I got this from somebody else right when I talk about mortality I, I always joke around with people and and joke around that I'm gonna be driving a bus someday down their neighborhood and and I'm gonna get a phone call or something to look down I'm gonna run them both over with the bus or or one of them over with the bus if it's a couple and and you know that's always a pretty much guaranteed chuckle <laughs> you know you just you're just so upfront and blasé about it people are actually you know they they appreciate it is it a nervous chuckle because they might be scared who's in their house. No, come on, man. It's, <laughs> I can't. I can't read the room that well. <laughs> but laugh, but you laugh know. at the bus joker. It might be true. Yeah. <laughs> Sign here, or it'll happen. It's good. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, oh yeah, but it but it's about you know yeah. breaking the ice, and I think a joke, not necessarily a joke, but just something interesting, or you know something other than the weather, I think helps. You know with making you a real person that's there to help mm -hmm. the, the the power of the story you mm -hmm. know and the authenticity that comes with it I, I i have no doubt uh so you work with all all sorts of people lorena uh you have a preference working with kind of retail consumers or business owners does it matter to you is there a favorite niche i don't really have a niche to me it's all about helping people whether that's a business owner or, or a household a family right um but I, I specialize, I would say, more in like middle market, if we're looking at it, like low to middle market um, type of consumer. But I don't really have a preference as to who I help. You know, if there's something I can do to help them, I, I will. Mm -hmm. Can you define low to middle market for us? Uh, I guess that that would be like income base, let's say, like, uh, you know, 20,000 to like 200,000. In, in income. Um, but again, I don't really look at that as a basis for me to determine if I'm going to help you or not, right? If you're a millionaire, great, I can help you as well, right? Because you also have needs like anybody else. Right. And a lot of times those needs are probably the same mm -hmm. uh, in, in a lot of ways. The scale might be a little bit different, but the needs tend to remain the same. We're all human. We kind of all have the same needs and we all face a lot of the same risk. Uh, Insurance really just about offloading risk, right? It's just, just taking yeah. risk off my shoulders and placing it on somebody else's, essentially. Yeah, it's the, the transfer of risk, as we would say, right? That now you don't carry that burden, all of it, on top of you. You've transferred all of it or part of it now to an insurance company by paying a monthly premium or annual premium, right? Mm -hmm. Do you find that people are more risk takers or less risk takers? in your experience? Um, I guess it depends on what, what we're talking about, right? But 
I would say a lot of people are, are risk takers and they just don't realize it. Like, especially when it comes to financial protection, like the doctor had mentioned, you know, when you're young, you don't really want to think about your mortality. And as you get older, you're thinking more about it, but you still don't want to have that conversation. And I think all that creates is a big financial risk for, for themselves, themselves or their family or their business, depending what we're looking at, right? Because the longer you wait to have that conversation, something might have happened along the way that might make you for life insurance uninsurable or very hard for you to qualify. Um, or, you know, something happened and now you have to close your business because you didn't have something put in place to help you financially if something were to happen. Um, so it's just, I think people take financial risks all the time by not wanting to have these types of conversations when they should be having them, right? Like before something happens or before it's so expensive because of your age that you can't even afford something, right? So I have a saying that something is better than nothing. And so even if you have something in place, it's going to be better than you saying, oh, let me think about it. Oh, we'll do that next next month, next year. Like it's going to be better to do something now and have something put in place that you can later on review and maybe make some changes to, to really get it to more to where you want it to be than just walking around, not doing anything, you know, like, like I say, people uh, protect their cell phone more than they protect their own lives, their own businesses, you know, and, and it's just, it's a shame that that's going on. So, so kind of hearing you there, uh are people really risk takers? Or are they just putting their heads in the sand and ignoring the risk? It uh, yeah, I would say it's a combination of both, right? It's a risk you're taking without even knowing that you're taking it. And then it's also ignoring the big elephant in the room that we all have, right? Whether it's not getting health insurance because you think it's expensive without even getting the correct information or thinking it's not going to cover something when it does. Um, or thinking that you're invincible and you're never going to have a medical emergency or or pass away or or have a critical illness, right? So it's it's also like avoiding that, right? Because you know some people think that if they talk about these issues, then they're going to have to need to use it, you know, and that's just going back to like a mentality that's not really true right just because you talk about something <laughs> doesn't mean it's going to come true right used to hear that all the time was the uh i've never been sick i've never been to the doctor i've never needed it to go to the doctor how do you know because you've never been and that's one of those things is then all of a sudden they're like now i'm really sick yeah yeah i, I would have been really sick if you went to the doctor <laughs> <laughs> i've also gotten that I've, I've had people tell me like after they bought a policy like the year later when we're doing their review like, oh, can I get some money back? Because, you know, I never used my insurance. And I'm like, and then they tell me, you know, no, I don't even go to the doctor because that's when they find things are wrong. And I'm like, isn't that what you want? Like, that's called preventive medicine. That's what you want to do. Well, it's but not wrong if I don't know about it. Yeah, that too. <laughs> you know, it's just, to me, it's funny, but. People are superstitious for, mm -hmm. for sure. And we, we do some weird things, but you know, I, I, I'm guilty of it. You know, I, I think for sure there's times where it's like, I don't, I don't really want to know. Like I, I, I don't feel bad. You know, I, I, 
everything's cool. So why yeah. why invite it into my life? But that doesn't mean it's not there, right? right. That's just actively <laughs> choosing to to bury your head in the sand. It, to be the camel, right? It's, it's it's maybe not the the best route to to go. So how how do you overcome that with people? Because I think that's that's a really common issue that that a lot of business owners face is people don't want to don't want to deal with reality. They don't want to think about some of this stuff that can be painful. So how yeah. do you address that? So I would say like if I was speaking to a business owner, I would definitely use stories. And I would use like a, a personal story when I'm talking to a business owner. Like I work with my mom, but we haven't even talked anything about my dad, right? And, and like I'll tell them the story about my dad and how he was a self-employed entrepreneur and he got sick out of nowhere. My dad had been super healthy and how that not only affected his business, but affect the rest of the family uh, financially, right? So I think um, having stories in that you can use to be relatable, but also to put things in perspective for people really help them see like, oh, okay, so if something like that were to happen to me, I'm not prepared in, in any way, shape or form, right? Because I, I like business owners, they also think, you know, they have to do everything. And if, if they're not there, then the business is not going to run, which is true if that's how you've set up your business, right? But um, it's just it's just a lot of that. Stories help overcome that. And then almost putting the person in that scenario without saying, hey, this is going to happen to you, but painting a picture where they see themselves now not being able to go to work because something happens, right? Um, how, how's that business going to continue? And, and the same thing for individuals, right? Like, I don't know if you're a teacher, how is somebody going to continue? Like if something like cancer or heart attack happens, right? You can't go do chemo and then go teach your class, right? That's just not a reality. And, and bills will always be there, right? Um, so it's, it's just, I think stories, I think are a powerful tool to use. Um, to overcome that type of objection. So Doc, we've talked about storytelling some some in the past. Uh and without without stepping into kind of your your expertise, you know, I, there is something to be said about when you tell stories, people are actually able to put themselves in the shoes of that person, especially fictional stories, right? So it doesn't have to necessarily be nonfiction, but people, you know, the creative parts of their brain start to light up a little bit. Uh and and they are able to really experience it in a sense right or, or get some of that experience and it and it it hits them a little bit more in the feels yeah it's something that can they can relate to stories metaphors anecdotes anything that they can kind of see themselves in or see someone they know in uh gives it that self it actually gives it that reality and a lot of the times that's they wouldn't think of those scenarios how many times i'm sure Lorraine, even when you told that story someone said I never thought about that. Mm -hmm. I never thought about it in that way. Oh, because they usually have their one way they see things and don't really have any other views because they never had to or never needed to. Um, a lot of times I even just like to ask them, what would happen if this? Mm -hmm. And then when they realize they don't really have an answer for what would happen in that situation, it starts to give them some thought to it that, that probably is something that they should have at least a plan for, at least a thought about. Yeah, it's definitely a it's a great way to do it, and 
you know, people love stories in general. So story time is always fun. Mm -hmm. You mind sharing a little bit more about your dad? I, I mean, did that influence the business that you and your mom run? I, I mean, that experience with dad, was that, was that part of the decision-making into getting into this business? That's a great question, but no. Um, my mom had been in insurance since before I was born, so a very long time. Um, but for me personally, when my dad got diagnosed with cancer, it happens like maybe a year after I had been working in insurance. So for me, it was definitely a big impact in realizing that my dad was not financially prepared um, with something like, let's say, like a critical illness insurance right that like pays people money in case of cancer heart attack right so like there's different products for different things um and my dad had health had health insurance because he was over 65 but before that my dad never had health insurance <laughs> to be honest you know um it's just the the reality he thought like why am i gonna pay for that you know he was he was one of those those types um so for me personally, it did impact me in realizing that people need to understand the gravity that they might be putting themselves in by not taking action when somebody presents them an opportunity like this, you know? And then definitely throughout my career, I've had other experiences of, you know, from people saying yes to buying life insurance to passing away two months later and really seeing the impact of what life insurance is to somebody telling me no to getting a critical illness policy and then calling me a few months later, like, hey, I bought that from you. Um, and then, you know, they had a cancer diagnosis and they had not bought it from me. So, you know, all these things along the way, they really motivate me to continue doing what I do because what I do is not easy. We have to have these tough conversations, call people, um, follow up with them, do applications, right? There's a whole bunch of things that that we need to do. And it's just reminding myself that what I do is important and um, what I do matters and it really makes a difference, I, I believe, um, to not just families, but also to businesses out there. I appreciate you sharing a little bit about that. I know I know it's a, a personal story and, and thank you for sharing it to, to us and our audience. Uh, it really does circle back to risk, right? And and understanding how much risk we're taking. And most people probably don't appreciate the level of risk they're taking until they actually get hit with it. So you ask anybody who's new to investing, who's going through what we're seeing in the marketplace right now and, and, and in the you know investment industry, whether it's in crypto or it's in stocks, it's in bonds, it's in it's all over. Like the the all the normal asset classes people invest in are getting crushed. And uh, for people who aren't familiar with that experience, all of a sudden their their appetite for risk might be entirely different from what they thought it was even a few months ago or a few weeks ago, depending on their experience. So it's always interesting to see how that shift when people actually have to deal with something mm -hmm. versus what they think it's going to be like. Uh, it's very, very different. I'm, I'm curious, kind of honing in on risk somewhat more. What are some of the top risks you see people make from from an insurance provider's perspective? So as, as an insurance agency, what are the top risks people are taking that they're probably not aware of or they're discounting a little bit? 
Uh, you know, sometimes I see um, folks taking on plans with a high deductible. And that's great if nothing happens. But if you have a high deductible for like health insurance, whether through your employer or individually, a lot of those times, yes, you are protected because you have your maximum out of pocket, right? Inside of that includes your deductible. Um, but people don't realize how big of an impact having a high deductible plan is for their wallet if they need a surgery or they need to go do labs or they need to go use something in that plan unless it has fixed copies, which mo most of those plans don't. Um, and then the other thing I, I noticed, sometimes people want to get a health savings account because they're like, oh, I have a high deductible plan. And it's like, no, your plan actually needs to state that it's a health savings account. It's not just that it's a high deductible plan. So again, that, that goes back to misinformation, right? Um, the other risk I, I see a lot of people take is buying too little life insurance. Like, oh, I'll just buy this $20,000 life insurance, you know? And it's like, is that really enough to cover so many things? Your income, your mortgage, right? So it's not just buying something to have something. Like I mentioned before, something is better than nothing, yes, but there's also exceptions to that, right? Um, you, you need to face the reality that if something were to happen to you, how's your family going to continue paying the mortgage and what does that look like, you know? So you definitely need to buy enough life insurance to cover at least the basic necessities for a year or two, right? Because you might be the sole breadwinner or whatever the case might be. So it's definitely looking looking into that more. Mm -hmm. It's always tough to get people to look beyond now, yeah. Because you're 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 essentially saying, hey, you got to give up something now, right? You got to give up earning power or spending power today, in order to protect against something that may or may not happen in the future. It's always a, a difficult concept to get people to buy into. It's not easy. Right, because, a, lot of, a lot of respect for, for people in your industry. It's hard. Because uh, it's not like I say, like this isn't, I'm not selling you something that's tangible. You can't see the life insurance or the health insurance until maybe you need to use it, right? So I, I always say that what we do is we eventually at some point are going to write a check, right? Not myself, but the insurance company to that family. So people have an easier time spending $1,500 to buy an iPhone, right? But they won't do the same thing to maybe pay an annual policy for, for their life insurance, right? Like a lot of people get tax returns instead of spending that money, maybe use some of that um, for some more important things for the family. You know, it's just a shift in thinking as well, I think. Mm -hmm. Doc, how, how, how do you suggest people facilitate a, a shift in thinking? Or, or if, if you're in the insurance business, from, from your perspective as a doctor of psychology, it's the best way to get people to shift that way of thinking. Just yell at them to shift their thinking. Just stop it. Just do it. Don't, do that. <laughs> Don't ever do that. That doesn't work. Uh, <clears throat> again, you have to give it the, the importance of why uh, they want to shift their thinking. Um, just telling someone to shift their thinking is probably not going to work. But I think what Lorena was saying, like, you know, that's where you use the stories. That's where you use the relatability, um, giving examples of how it works. Um, and I think just breaking down some of those numbers of, 
what it would cost up front to comparatively to what it would cost if something does happen and kind of putting that into real life situations in that world is is probably the best idea on how to do that now you know that doesn't mean it's going to work it doesn't mean people are going to shift it's according to how how strong they're believing they're holding on to those beliefs of what is important at that time which is also why we don't see a lot of younger people even thinking about it because in their mind that it's irrelevant um and they you know as we know about behaviors and thoughts they get reinforced and if you continue not to get sick and you continue to be healthy it's just going to keep getting reinforced that you don't need it unfortunately when you do get the evidence that you do need it it's generally too late at that point right and i think that that brings a good point like one of the major changes that have happened here with health insurance in the industry is that uh insurance companies now have to accept people no matter what pre-existing conditions they have so i think that also influences people holding off because they realize that oh it doesn't matter if i eventually get sick the company will still have to take me and cover whatever i need to do right because before it wasn't like that people had to actually do a physical and if they had something like high blood pressure or they were overweight the companies would just not accept them or would say hey you know we're not going to cover that condition so i think that's also created in a in a sense for the consumers more of a, i can hold it off because you know i know they'll they'll take me either way mm -hmm. and you know insurance companies were great at that too oh you had a hangnail sorry <laughs> right yeah yeah any thoughts for our listeners just kind of on the state of the insurance market, especially for our local listeners here in Florida? Um, you know, we, we, we look at the insurance world and it's uh, it's rapidly evolving. Does mm -hmm. um, any, any thoughts around that looking forward? Any any concerns that you have or predictions in your mind of what's going to change? Yeah, I don't really have any concerns. I just see that the changes that have been made are really positive for the majority of people. Again, because two reasons why people used to never buy health insurance, for example, is because it was either too costly or they weren't insurable, right? So part of the Affordable Care Act, you know, that made a big change in that now, like I mentioned before, the insurance companies had to accept you uh, regardless of any pre-existing conditions. Like we don't ask any medical questions anymore. But the other big change that it made is that based on their family size and income, they also qualify for an advanced premium tax credit to help them pay for their health insurance. Um, so I think a lot of people don't realize that they qualify for these tax credits and they just don't even find out because they think, oh, I might make too much. And that may not even be the case, right? So I think something important is that there is an open special enrollment this year for certain income levels, like anybody that makes between 100 and 150% of the federal poverty level can apply now for health insurance or change their plan. Um, but people that fall in that category also have um, cost share reduction, which is just a fancy way of saying that you have no deductible, you qualify for plans with lower out-of-pockets and lower co-pays. So when they use the insurance, it's also affordable. It's not just about your monthly premium being affordable. And I think that's really important. I think other changes um, that might be happening, um, 
like for Medicare, we, we see hopefully some good changes happening there. Um, they're trying to, I just read today that they, they're trying to pass a law where uh, consumers can still contribute to a health savings account, even though they have Medicare, which right now you can't. Um, but again, th those are things that might pass, they might not pass. Um, and in life insurance, I think there has been a lot of positive changes as well with the pandemic that brought about that they've increased the amount of death benefit that you can get without needing to do a medical exam, but also still qualifying for like the preferred or the preferred plus rates, which just means that the insurance is more affordable. So I, I think those are all positive changes to the industry. Sounds like a good opportunity for anybody who isn't actively insured or is maybe uninsured to revisit and, and take advantage of it. Um, that's awesome. It's great to hear. Mm -hmm. We heard that you might have something around that area for our audience. Would you like to let them know about that? Certainly, doctor. Um, so I offer a complimentary financial protection review where we review just like what it sounds like, uh, your health insurance, your life insurance, any other things in, in between that that might help. Um, so it's a simple 15, 20 minute conversation. And then from there, we find solutions to what your needs are. And we usually send people like a video quote, which is just us going over the information and the solutions that we found. And then, you know, if they want to move forward from there, we can certainly do that. That's awesome. Uh, Lorena, uh, really appreciate the insights and the information you shared with us and, and having you join us here in the lab. Thank you for uh, being willing to take a few minutes out of your day. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's been great sharing uh, this information. Thanks for joining us. So, you know, Doc, one of the things I always like about having different guests on is, is you get an entirely different perspective, you know, especially when you get somebody who's uh, in a unique situation where, hey, I'm, I'm working with a family member uh, and I'm working in an area and an environment where I'm dealing with multiple cultures. So I've got a lot of different dynamics to juggle in my business. And it's interesting to hear Lorena's uh, perspective with that. We really, really took some nice tidbits from that, mainly. I'm glad that it's not me having to juggle <laughs> all of that. I don't think I'd do it as well. It does that add some interest to your day, right? Like keep things, keep you on your toes, keep things fresh. Uh, but I love what I heard, you know, a lot of what we talk about using storytelling, um, creating that, that connection. When you're talking about things that are that difficult, you really need to, to be beyond just transactional. Right. Um, and especially with different cultures, they, they require even more so. Uh, so it was great to hear what Lorena was doing and uh, it's a good lesson for everyone out there that's listening. Yeah. I, a great insight. I, I mean, if nothing else take away from this, you know, when dealing with the typical, uh, Latin culture, you know, you need to be willing to spend the extra time to really build out the relationship. However, you're going to do that versus working with a traditional American culture, uh, client. So for any of our listeners out there that are in a in an area where there's a lot of Latin influence or any Latin influence, just keep it in mind. You know that your approach probably needs to shift a little bit and you need to pivot how you do things to accommodate the difference in culture. And that'll help you get a lot more successful, I have no doubt, when you're dealing with this uh, clientele. Learn those lessons 
early and often in the years dealing with different cultures, especially out uh, in the San Francisco area. A lot of uh, Asian influence out there and, and very different culturally than here in the States. Yeah, be aware of your audience and uh, good lesson for life outside of business as well. Yeah, it is. All right. I want to say thank you to all our listeners and viewers who are still with us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for staying with us, for listening. And if you liked it, if you got a good piece of wisdom or insight, give us that five-star review. Give us the like, the follow, the subscribe. Let people know about us. We're here to help you and we appreciate you. Click some buttons, subscribe, like, thank you, share stars. A lot of symbols too. I like symbols. <laughs> click it all <laughs> and then follow us on all our social medias at jb and the doctor and of course you can get all this lovely information about everything we talk about all the time at jb the doctor.com and if you're local here in the south florida marketplace keep an eye out for a lot of the live events we've got coming up and out so hope to see you in person and not just on the screen yes be there or B square. Oh, shape and symbol. Don't really. Did you just go there? Okay. Only because it was a shape and symbol. Oh, God. Whatever you need to justify yourself. I'm JB. I'm out. <laughs> See y'all later. Peace out, yo.